Good morning, good morning, man. It's good to see your beautiful faces out there today. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're in Luke's Gospel, chapter 21. And uh, I'm continuing the Patience of a Saint series. Now, I have a burden to preach this message, and you know, I don't know why. I just feel very stirred, very prompted in my spirit to kind of address the times that we're in. Because, you know, we're living in the last days, which the Bible describes as perilous, uh, stressful, and pressure-packed moments in time. I want to read what Jesus had to say about it, Luke 21. I'm going to be reading verse 34, 35, and 36, and I want to highlight these verses and then pray. Jesus said this. He said, take heed to yourselves, that lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on those who dwell on the face of the whole earth, he said, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Let's pray. Father, this morning we just thank you for the word of the Lord. And I pray, Lord, that hearts would be open to receive the word of the Lord today. And thank you, Lord, that you are faithful, that you haven't left your people without an answer. And you're bringing us through these times in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. I was thinking about stressful moments in life, and uh, sometimes your stressful moments around jobs. And I had a job one time as a pizza delivery driver. And I don't know if you've ever been at a pizza hut on a Friday night at about 6.30 or 7 o'clock. It can get quite busy. And I remember, you know, several years ago, right around this time of the year, man, pizzas were flying all over the place. And, I mean, orders were getting messed up. And my boss, who was supposed to be managing the place... He had like, you know, moms, grandmas, dads, people upset because their pizzas were an hour late. And they were angry. They were swearing at him and over the place and stressed out. Man, he's sweating. He's nervous. And he's cutting pizzas like crazy. And pepperoni was flying all over the place. And finally, when he got through about that hour, hour and a half of getting everything settled, he went outside with some of the employees in the back. And he took a big bottle of vodka and glub, 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 glub. He took a breath, and he looked at all of us, and then he puked everywhere. Yeah. And it wasn't because he couldn't handle booze. It was because he couldn't handle stress. <laughs> you ever had a stressful day like that? You ever had a job that you just felt was, like, stressful? And I want to highlight for you some of the uh, real-world pressure of these last days. And I, I don't know if, if you're aware of it. Probably you are. But 2020 and into 2021 is an unprecedented time. In the history of the world, like we're living in an hour that has really just never taken place. I'm grateful I live in Montana in times like this. There's never been a pandemic that has locked down the entire globe. Um, there's never been federal mandates for vaccines in various places. And, you know, you're just kind of looking at it and just think, wow, what's going on in the world today? And, you know, I can kind of sense that we're in this moment, and I think probably you can too if you're spiritually minded. There's, there's pressure that's existing in the world, and it's like an increasing pressure. It's not pressure that's decreasing. It's pressure that's increasing on various levels. And what I appreciate about the Bible is that it has a proven track record of accuracy when it comes to prophecy and biblical events. And in particular, I think about the words of Jesus. I'm grateful for words written and read because they have a very accurate track record and indicate to us things to come. Now, 
I want to highlight some, some of these pressures. And I'm going to start back up in verse 16. So we're going to stay in chapter 21 today. But back in verse 16 of Luke, here's what Jesus said. He said, you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers. I could add brother-in-laws in there as well. A little joke for me. Yeah, Relatives and your friends. And he said that they will put some of you to death. And then he said, you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. Now, the first thing that we could talk about here in the pressures of these last days is that they are a time of persecution, a time of persecution. I was with a man named Jay Sekulow, who is the president of the American Center for Law and Justice. This is a great radio show, tremendous lawyer. And he, when he was in Billings, he made a statement that never left me. He said, in America, we're not so much persecuted as we are picked on. But the heat is rising, and you can feel it in the air. And, you know, there are, you know, certain politically active people who would love nothing more than to shut down churches. And there, there's definitely a, a bias uh, against the people of God and godliness, and it's what we could call an antichrist agenda. And you can feel that that spirit is at work in the world today at an increasing rate. Now, when Jesus is talking in Luke 21, he's not just, you know, this is not something that's just applicable for us in the 21st century. This was something, it meant something to them in the first century. I mean, he's talking to these disciples of his and he's telling them, hey, listen, some of you are going to die. I mean, just think about, you know, the people he's talking to. Stephen was the first martyr. He was stoned. We could talk about uh, James. Uh, who was the leader of the early church. He wrote the epistle of James. He was killed by Herod. Uh, Peter had the dubious distinction of being crucified upside down because he said he wasn't worthy to be killed in the same manner as the Lord. And according to Fox's book of martyrs, Paul was also killed. In fact, you can see that 11 of the 12 disciples were, were killed in some way. The only one that lived a long age was John. In fact, Tertullian, who is the uh, great church theologian, uh, said that martyrdom is the seedbed of the church, lest you forget about things like that. That's how this religion was started, by people who were willing to die for what they believe. And listen, we celebrated Veterans Day this week. I'm sure grateful if you serve. We appreciate that. I'm grateful for you know, the, the veterans that sacrificed to make the country great. Uh, don't forget that thousands of years ago, people were willing to lay their lives down so that you and I could celebrate and gather and honor the name of the Lord. That's how... Christianity was started. You know, I, I was reading about martyrdom, and apparently it's listed as one of the spiritual gifts in the Bible. Martyrdom is a gift that God gives you. It's, it's a one-time gift, but it is a gift <laughs> God might call you to. <laughs> it meant something in the first century. It means something in the 21st century. It's almost like it, as things were at the beginning of you know Christianity, now we're finding that it's coming full circle. Like it was in the days of Nero and the Roman Empire, you're starting to see that there's an intensity and a pressure in the world that exists today, in, in our days. I mean, I, I was thinking about what's taking place in the world. And, you know, I, I read about things in the papers, I keep up with nations. And, you know, in India, for instance, a nation that had a British history and was you know, very open to the gospel in the last decade has increasingly clamped up the persecution. I was reading in the Christian Post this last week that 14 members of a church, the pastor, his family, and friends were all killed 
outside of their home by Hindu militants. And in India, in China, they've got a surveillance society, which is ever-increasing. And they track you everywhere you go, everything you're doing. And if they don't like what you're doing, they just put you in a camp where you can make Nike. I'm just telling you the truth. Uh, you know, it's like, think about what's happening in Iran. That's the fastest growing Christian nation in the world. And it's like exploding. But if they catch you as a Christian in Iran, you're going to jail. Afghanistan, when the Taliban took over, they're going door to door. And if you have a Bible app on your phone, you're going to be hung off a bridge. That's just the state of things that are existing in the world. And in America, it took the Supreme Court of the United States to allow Christians to gather in certain states. Our neighbors to the north, who are some of the nicest people that I know, you know, they've got all kinds of laws against it. And you can't even cite certain passages of Scripture like Romans 1 and 1 Corinthians 6. They say that's hate speech. They're not allowing it. And they monitor what you're saying in a Western country. So opposition is arising in the times that we're living in. And I just think about the words that Jesus said. He said that you're going to be hated by all. Think, that's hard to comprehend when you live in the sleepy town of Billings, Montana. Like, you don't think about it like that. I am forever grateful that I went on a missions trip to Nepal because we were smuggling in Bibles and Christian literature to train pastors in Nepal. Nepal's Christian population is exploding. And when we came to the border, the guy I was with, he was like, you know, they're not going to let us in if they see what we have because they, they, don't, they don't have favorable views towards Christianity. So I remember going in, we, we took the land route in across a river, we checked in with the guards, they're happy to see Americans, and then they want to document you and want to know what you do. And I told them, I sell life insurance. I'm in sales. <laughs> that got me through. They were, they were very happy. He couldn't spell insurance, so he wrote sales. Had a sales job. But if I'm not mistaken, Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That is part of the name of the game that you signed up for when you said, Lord Jesus, here I am, take me. Persecution. And in these last days, it is a time of persecution. Here's the second thing we could say. I like verse 18. In case you felt bad, Jesus also reminded us that not a hair of your head will be lost. Because, you know, he knows the very hairs of your head. Yeah. And then he made this statement, by your patience, possess your souls. By your patience, possess your souls. I have been intrigued by that verse since the very first time I've read it years ago. And what I would say about these last days is that they're also a time of patience. You know, patience, this word here, it, it means an endurance. It means a persevering. And it, this is kind of the theme of the series that we're in. I, I'm just highlighting to you that in the last days, for you to sustain yourself and survive, you're going to have to have some patience and perseverance in your life. He, he said that you would possess your soul with your patience. That means obtain or gain it. it means you win your soul. It reminds me of what Jeremiah the prophet exhorted his assistant Baruch with in Jeremiah 45. You know, in Jeremiah's days, it was terrible times. Jerusalem was falling. There's records of cannibalism taking place in the city because it was such a dire situation. And what he said to Baruch was that your life will be a prize to you. In other words, God might just bless you by letting you come out of the situation alive. 
And that, that's kind of what Jesus is indicating right here, that if your person survive, he's going to help you possess your soul. Uh, when I think about, you know, patience, I think about the words of Jesus, how, how to survive and maintain. And it was both true then, 2,000 years ago, as it is now. In your patience, possess your soul. You know, it takes patience for you to run your race. And I have been running lately, working out. And the thing I've discovered about running is that if you do short bursts, you won't go very far. If you want to run the race and finish strong, you're going to have to pace yourself for a long-distance race. And you know the thing, the truth is, is that everybody has a different pace that they're running because everybody has their own race to run. You can't try to keep up with the person next to you if their pace is stronger than yours. You've got to just pace yourself for the race that you're running. That's what God has called you to do. He has called you to pace yourself and run with him. When, when I think about you know, the, the patience that's required, pa patience is one of those things that um, is what allows you to handle adversity and pressure and opposition. Patience is that thing on the inside of you that, that when difficult situations arise, you know how to get through it and still maintain your sense of joy and peace in the middle of it. It isn't patience if you're not able to have joy, if you're not able to go through it with a smile. That patience means you can handle pressure and you're still cool. I was at Albertsons the other day buying some groceries. And, you know, they have this checkout lines. And, and I noticed that something that said it was on sale wasn't on sale. And, and I, I was just kind of waiting for the checker to get some clarity. And I asked the lady, hey, is that lady who attends this place here? Like, you know, she checks on the machines. And she began to, like, you know, insult about how slow the lady was waddling over here. And, you know, and, and I mean, she was angry, belligerent. And so finally, when that lady came over here and explained the problem, I gave her a big hug. Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate it. Because even though I felt like getting out of there quicker, I was able to have patience. I can stay cool with Walmart checkout people. I can stay cool, you know. Some people can't manage that. That's patience. It's cool under pressure. And according to the Bible, patience is the mark of maturity. That's what the book of James says. He, he, he said uh, that, that patience have its perfect work that you might be complete. That means mature and, and, and lack nothing. I mean, there's something about patience that is very maturing. But, but, but mature people are patient. I'm so grateful I had children in my 30s. Because children, if you didn't know it, will drive you nuts. And it's like uh, you get very impatient when they, you know, spill milk on the floor, when they start throwing up, when they're crying in the middle of the night. That's where I send Elizabeth to go take care of. I thank God for Elizabeth. She's got patience. She can get up. <laughs> Sometimes I get up. Don't look at me like I'm not helping out. <laughs> How, I mean, I thank God for what Romans chapter 15 says. It says that we, through the comfort and the patience of the Scriptures, might have hope. Man, there's something about the Bible and the records of Scripture and the way that people have lived that gives us a sense of patience and hope to endure in the times that we're living. So we could say that in these last days, it's a time of patience. You've got to run your race, you've got to run it diligently, and you've got to run it for you. Now, let me give you some additional thoughts here about what Jesus had to say. Jump down to verse 25. This is intriguing to me. Jesus said, in the last days, there'll be signs in the sun and the moon and in the stars. 
and I'm not really into astronomy or anything like that, but uh, they have blood moons. There's all kinds of things people are highlighting. It just seems like they're doing that more and more than ever before. He said, and on the earth, there will be distress of nations with perplexity. Everybody say perplexity. Perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for fear and the expectation of the things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens. He said, will be shaken. The book of Hebrews says that everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. And what this just tells me is that not only in the last days are we experiencing times of persecution and patience, but there also going to be a time of perplexity. Perplexity. That's a fine $5 word. Uh, which basically, I looked it up, and it means that there's an entanglement that begins to unwind. And if you could read the Greek language right here, in different translations, they put the commas in, in the words in different places. Most translations say that there will be perplexity with the sea and the waves roaring. And what that's indicating is like the last days will almost be like a time of the howling of a hurricane. Now, I have lived in uh, states where I've had been through hurricanes. I went through Hurricane Ivan in 2004. And at that time, it was the largest hurricane to hit the Gulf Coast. It was a Category 4 when it came. It was a Category 3 by the time it got to where we were at. And, I mean, we hunkered down for hours and hours. The wind did not stop for like, you know, 24 hours of just constant wind. And by about the 16th hour, I was quite bored. So I took the car out and drove around. Even though I wasn't supposed to, I found University of Auburn students having hurricane parties, trees falling down. But I just remember there was a constant level of wind. It was like nonstop wind. That's what Jesus is describing right here. He's describing this time like a perplexity in nature. Crazy things happening. Earthquakes and the seas roaring. Jesus did mention earlier in the chapter that there would be earthquakes in various places. And you see that happening at an intensified rate. I mean, back in 2004, that same year I was in Hurricane Ivan, how many of you remember that tsunami that hit Indonesia? Over 250,000 people were washed out to sea. That's a number that's almost hard to comprehend. And it is the largest loss of life by a sea disaster in the history of the world since the days of Noah. There's never been anything quite like that. And then in 2011, there was the Japanese tsunami. Do you remember seeing that? I still look at some of the videos in awe uh, watching this immense amount of you know, seawater coming into Japan. And it's the fourth largest earthquake on the Richter scale to ever hit since they started keeping records in 1900. And it's like, you know, you see these things happening at an intensified rate. And right now, what they're warning about is this little old thing called the Cascade Subduction Zone off the coast of Washington, Oregon, and California. And, and they can measure by the layers of soil you know, when this has happened in history, as I understand it correctly, that neck of the woods is behind due for a major tsunami earthquake. I mean, it's really an incredible thing. Jesus warned about moments like this. Yeah. It's, it's perplexity among nature, but not just nature. It's perplexity in the nations of the world. Now, this is so interesting because Jesus said there's a time coming when people are going to be so afraid that their hearts are going to fail them for fear. I read that verse, I always think about stockbrokers jumping out of the buildings and, you know, Black, Black Thursday in 1929 or, you know, with the stock market collapse. But he's talking about a time in the world where there's going to be massive problems in the nations. 
He distress among the nations. You know the thing that no one will talk about in politics that we have a huge crisis about is a debt crisis. And politicians refuse to talk about it because the truth is they have no answers for it. They have spent trillions upon trillions of dollars making money out of thin air. And it's, it's like there's this huge looming thing and all we keep doing is kicking the can down the road. I mean, it's one of these things in the world that's just an immense problem. I first started really studying this because my, my wife, who's here today, I'm grateful to have Elizabeth with us. She immigrated from Canada. And I had to go through immigration, so we had all these currency exchanges. And I started kind of keeping up with geopolitical events, trying to figure these things out. It became interesting to me. Recently, I read a book by Kenneth Rogan called The Curse of Cash, in which he's advocating for uh, nations to go to digital currencies. And the reason why is because he said that cash is essentially... Zero percent. But we need to have negative interest rates because governments are so in debt. Now, I'm not an educated man, per se, so I don't know exactly how all that works. I just know that governments are, are trying to deal with these problems around us. And when I read the book and I talked to my accountant, you know, she just reminded me that every nation is printing money. I mean, in America, you've got a Federal Reserve that can just print Money as they need it, but you know, in Canada, in Japan, in Germany, they are printing money the same way. It's like a race to the bottom. And, and how is this all going to end? I mean, it's really wild. In fact, recently, United States Senator Rand Paul was questioning whether digital currencies could become the world's uh, reserve currency. I mean, that, that's an incredible thought to see taking place. Never in the history of the world have you seen suggestions like that. Uh, I read another book. Uh, right around the uh, subprime mortgage meltdown. This book was called Currency Wars by James Rickards. And he was highlighting the effects of, you know, just dropping trillions of dollars in, into the economy and what it would do. And if history suggests anything, it suggests that wars are started through economic crisis. And if you look at the world in 2021, it looks a lot like it did in 1914, just before the outbreak of World War I. In that time, there were different treaties with different countries to kind of back each other up in the case of war. And you can see the same thing today. I mean, we've got NATO, we've got all these alliances we've made with nations in different places. And I'm telling you that the, that's just one match away from things exploding. I mean, think about China. You know, you... you I don't know if you saw on the news, the Chinese have built a mock-up U.S. aircraft carrier to shoot at out in the Gobi Desert. Like, they're preparing. When you think about China, you think about it as like it's this strong, invincible nation. And probably what you don't realize is they have a substantial debt crisis. They have no middle class. And they're relying upon slave labor to keep prices down. I mean, they're in a very weakened position. And all it would take is for them to just go 90 miles across the Straits of Taiwan, and you could have a major outbreak. I don't know if you saw that the Russians have 10,000 soldiers now at the Ukrainian border, uh, you know, a border, and probably has to do with inflation and high gas prices. If America imports anything because of printing money, it's infl it's, uh, it's, uh, inflation is on the rise. I mean, it's, it's really an interesting geopolitical moment. Uh, we can think about Pakistan and India always at each other's throats. Or the big one, of course, is Israel and Iran. 
and they could get into a fight that perhaps could feel prophecy from Ezekiel 38. I, I mean, you're, you're kind of seeing the scriptures come alive with all the events in the world that are taking place. And I'm just telling you, Jack Ryan and the CIA is not going to save you. James Bond is not showing up to get you out of the mess. Jesus is the only one who knows what's going on. Yeah. I didn't even get into this little old thing called the World Economic Forum yet. Have you ever heard of the World Economic Forum? This is a real actual organization led by Klaus Schwab. And I, I first came across it because he was talking about now is the time for a great global reset. And then I started watching Justin Trudeau in Canada and the Prime Minister of New Zealand all saying the same thing. Now is a moment for a great reset. A great reset. Which, in, in my opinion, is probably code for a global socialized government. You know, in 2019, the World Economic Forum so accurately predicted that something like a pandemic, perhaps from something like COVID, could create lockdowns. That's 2019, right on their website. And they said it's inevitable, it's going to happen. And now they're saying that it's inevitable that we're going to be faced with what they called cyber lockdowns. Because what they're saying is that, you know, your computer systems are so vulnerable and with so much hacking, it's just inevitable somebody's going to shut down the power grid, the water supply, you're going to have your phone infected with a virus, and we're going to have to turn off the internet, and to keep you safe, we're going to have to lock you down so you can go to the store and we say, they're already planning for it. You think I'm talking conspiracy theories. You ought to get up and look at ABC News on it. They're reporting on it. It's called a cyber polygon. These guys have been preparing for advance on what could happen. I mean, if their prediction is as accurate as it was in 2019, I mean, I don't know. I'm just telling you that you should be prepared. We are so uh, dependent upon technology, and it's a weak thing. There's things that could be taken that would really create catastrophic problems in society. You ought to have cash on hand. I mean, if the internet went down, what does that do to banking? Uh, when Facebook shut down, they had $50 billion a day out of the U.S. economy just by having Facebook shut down. You ought to have cash. You should have food on hand. I know I have food prepared. And, uh, you know, you probably ought to get guns. If you don't have any guns, you can talk to my friend Tony over here. He's got plenty of guns. He can help. No, I'm teasing. You got to get your own guns. <laughs> but you, we should be prepared in these moments. We should be prepared. I, I'm just telling you, like, it would be wise to be prepared for the perplexity that exists in nations. It, do you know how many billionaires are building bunkers in New Zealand? I mean, it's really amazing because people who have a lot of money have a lot to lose, and they're making preparations in the event that there's problems in the world. One thing globalists don't ever talk about or think about is a spirit-filled church in the last days because my Bible tells me that there's a restraining force, and it's the church of Jesus Christ, the salt of the earth. And if God's people pray, he said, I'm going to protect you. Now, I've got you pretty scared, don't I? Yeah. Time of perplexity. Let me give you all the good news here. I'm coming home in verse 28. Jesus said, when you see these things begin to happen, when you see perplexity and problems in the world, when you see persecution rising, that is a moment for you to lift up your heads. Because he said, your redemption is drawing near. This is your, oh, yeah, moment, man. Let me tell you, Jesus is coming back. I said that last week. Coming back quickly. How quickly? I, I, probably on Thanksgiving, I'll eat dessert before I eat turkey. That's how quickly he's coming. <laughs> he said in verse 29, he spoke to them a parable. 
Jesus said, if you want to be wise to the times, look at the fig tree. Look at the fig tree. The way that you interpret Scripture is with other Scripture. And when he's talking about the fig tree, he's talking about the nation of Israel being restored. How do I know that? Hosea chapter 9, verse 10. I believe we have the verse on the screen. And you can see that he's talking about Israel. This is God saying, I, I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. And uh, is there the rest of the verse up there? Get to the end of the verse. Hosea 9, 10. Oh. Yeah. Where's the fig tree at now? There we are. Is it as the first fruits on the fig tree, it will be in its season. He's calling Israel the fig tree. He's just letting you know, if you want to know about the times, look at a restored nation of Israel. Back here in verse 30. He said, look at the fig tree. And he said, when you see the leaves budding, you can see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. In other words, harvest time is approaching. And when you see these things happening, you'll know that the kingdom of God, Jesus' return is near. It's at the door. So another thing we could say, the last thing we could say about these times is that it's now time for you to be prepared. And I'm not just talking about being prepared with having cash on hand, gasoline, and ammunition. I'm talking about you being spiritually prepared for Jesus and his coming. That's when we get into what we opened up with here in verse 34. Look what he said. Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing. That means you're screwing around doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. Drunkenness and the cares of this life. And that day come upon you unexpectedly. Now, in your Bible, it might have the word day capitalized. And that's because that's, again, a reference to the Old Testament phrase called the day of the Lord in which the prophets were predicting the time of the Messiah's coming. He's highlighting this moment in time. For he said in verse 35, it will come as a snare on those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. And he tells us there, watch and pray always that you might be counted worthy to escape the things that are coming to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Uh, we need to be prepared. And that doesn't mean you're afraid. I'm not like a doomsday guy up here talking about doom and gloom. I, I'm a believer who is ready for Jesus and his coming. I, I, I'm anticipating, expecting, excited about it. And if you want to be prepared, you're going to have to lose some weight. And I'm not talking about, you know, New Year's resolutions and hitting the gym. I'm talking about the weight of sin that hinders people and holds them back from running their race. He said, you're going to have to cut some things off of you that are hindering you from running the race that's ahead of you. And, and I think about, you know, how people get caught up with what the Bible calls snares, things that trip you up, things that trap you, things you didn't expect. Do you think the people at the Travis Scott concert at Astro World that got stampeded had any idea they're about to get caught up in a trap? I mean, the satanic imagery when you walked in could have given it away, but it's one of these things that it sneaks up on people. And the Bible says that you got to let go of some sin around you because there's a snare coming upon the whole face of the world. Never before in history has there been a time like that when it's going to happen in the world, the whole world. The times that we're rapidly approaching. We're very close to the day of his return. When we talk about patience, he said you need to watch and pray. He said you got to be watchful, watchful. That means you got to be discerning. It means you got to have wisdom. 
If you're discerning wise to the time, you know, discerning people can see the hour that we're in. If you're a discerning person, you can identify these signs, these things are taking place in the world that we're living. I'm watchful and I'm prayerful. That means that I am depending upon Jesus to see me through. My hope is not in governments. It's not in presidents. It's not in politicians. My hope is in Jesus. And he said that he will be there with me to see me through things. That's what he said. He'll be with me to the end of the age. That's what Jesus said. Watch and pray. He said, if you want to escape these things, that's an interesting verse, escape these things. If you are prepared, he said, you'll be counted worthy to escape what's coming upon the earth. I believe that that is a reference to the rapture. Now, some people get all up in arms about the rapture because it's got, you know, no one knows when it's going to take place. Some people don't believe in it. But they, they say that the rapture is escapism. Like you're just trying to get out. of the, uh, That is what the verse said. If, if you are prepared, he will make a way of escape for you. I mean, that's straight out of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He, he said that God's always able to make a way of escape for his people. I mean, he made a way of escape for Noah when he and his family got out of the, in the ark. He made a way of escape for Lot when his family came out of Sodom and Gomorrah. There was a way of escape made when Israel came out of the Exodus. And there's a little principle in that, and that's that God does not judge the righteous with the wicked. He's watching out over his people. And he, he has not appointed his people to wrath. That's what the scriptures say. So he, he's, he's got you. He's watching you. He wants you to be prepared and in a place. As I said last week, I believe the rapture is a reward for righteous living. That God knows how to take care of his people. Yeah. You know, I'm prepared. My soul is ready. There's oil in my lamp. I got the word of God hit in my heart. I'm running my race. I'm walking with the wise. And I am prepared. I don't have anything to fear. I'm looking with expectation for the Lord's return. My heart is prepared. How is your heart prepared? You know, this is what Jesus said life would be like in these last days. You know, so next time you find yourself on a Friday night at a pizza hut and it's real busy, just keep your cool because there might be people back there (laughs) stressed out. Probably today, probably you're not being persecuted. I'm just going to step out in a limb and say in Montana, probably no one's trying to kill you for your Christianity. But you probably do need patience. You, you probably feel like, man, I got to run with endurance a little more than I am. There, there might be some things that, you know, are hindering you, tripping you, and you're just going to have to persevere. You're going to have to press ahead. And maybe that's what God is calling you to do. Maybe there's areas of your life where you, I got to run with, man, I have been slacking. I have not been running the race in the way that I should. I got to run with urgency. I got to run the race set before me you got to run that race. That's patience. It's your race. It's no one else's race. And you might need patience this morning. Or maybe you're just afraid. I read all about perplexity among the nations, and we talked about, you know, globalists trying to blow up the world economy. And you feel so helpless, kind of maybe just sitting where you're at. And listen, there's real problems in the world. I mean, there's problems in the horizon. But you don't have to be afraid. And I know people who get so afraid of these things. When we talk about being prepared, you know why you ought to be prepared? It's so you can be a blessing to somebody else. And if you do that and you have that mentality, I'm telling you, God will take care. He'll see you through things. I mean, he's right there with you. He's, he's walking. Or maybe you just got to be prepared for his return. Because 
My Bible tells me that he's coming like a thief in the night. And I, I looked up that thief in the knife, uh, night idea. It, it's, it's the idea of the priesthood at the temple. And they had night watches. And when they came to replace the shifts, they'd come as thieves in the night because they wanted to find out which of the priests were sleeping. Because you know you're doing the night shift. How many believers do you know that are asleep in the hour that we're living in? I mean, the Bible is full of warnings like, wake up. And there are tons of Christians who are just asleep. They might even be here in church, present in body, but absent in mind. <coughs> I'm just telling you. That's the way that people live. They're, it's like they're asleep. So I just want to pray that you would be prepared for his coming, his return. In the moment that we're living, and man, it's a time for you to wake up, put on the armor of God, the armor of righteousness, not be afraid. Pray with me, would you? Father, I just thank you for this group of people who are ready, and they are looking with expectation. We want to be the people who lift up our heads and are looking for the Lord's return, not afraid, not fearful, but we want to be a blessing to our neighbors and a blessing to our brothers and sisters. And I just thank you, Father, for hearts being open and awake. I thank you for people who desire to walk with you, want to know you. God, wake us up. Shake us from our slumber. God, I, I pray that over the people of God to wake up our people, wake up this nation, wake up this church. Lord, wake us up. Lord, that we would walk with you and know you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hey, if you're awake, say amen. Amen. I'm awake. I'll tell you who else is awake. Is my seven-year-old son. You know, he goes to school over here at Canyon Creek. And, you know, he's terrified of having to go to the principal's office. Because he's a good little boy. He was saying, Dad, I don't want to go to the principal's office. And he asked me, he said, have you ever been to the principal's office? <laughs> Which I actually had. I was threatened. But one time I told him I had the principal come to me. Back when I was in the eighth grade, they had a kid who went to school, a loaded gun in his backpack, and he would throw it up in the air, hoping it would land and go off. And he was bragging about it to other people. So I was walking with him into class. I knew it. I was trying to get him to calm down and stop doing that. And, you know, I got to class. We're sitting there. And a few minutes later, I got a knock on the door from the principal. I called me out of class. And he wanted to know if Josh Squeezenberry brought a gun. There I was before the principal, and I had to give an account for what I knew. Yes, he brought a gun. Yes, this is what he did. I, I had to open up. Now, the verse tells us here in verse 36 that there's coming a day when we have to stand before the Son of Man. Every one of you is going to stand before him and give an account of what you knew while you were on this earth. Did you live for him or did you not live for him? The principal is showing up and he's going to ask you some point blank questions and, and he's going to have fire in his eyes and be able to read right through your soul. There'll be no hiding. There'll be no lying. And all that will exist is the truth. And I just want you to be prepared for that day. And if you're not prepared, I want to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If your heart's not right, if it's not ready for the Lord, if you're not prepared for that day, I want you to put a hand up and I want to pray with you. Make sure every person is ready and right to give an account of the things that they have done in this life. Amen. Amen. I just thank you, Lord, for righteous people. Why don't you stand up with me this morning? Man, I feel the peace of the Lord. I feel, you know, I feel, I feel the goodness and the grace of God. How many believe God's going to see you through these days?
I told you at the beginning of the service, I believe he's going to increase and bless you. And that's what happened to Israel when they were coming out of the Exodus. There was darkness in Egypt. There was light in Goshen. And that's what God's pattern is. He will take care of his people in the middle of craziness in the world. I'm thankful for that. Are you thankful for the goodness of God? Amen. Hey, we're glad you came out to Bethany Church this morning. We want to value you. We want to bless you. If you need prayer for anything, man, the altars are open. And, and I, I just feel this great burden for prayer for people, man. I, I feel a burden to preach these messages. I think difficult days are coming to America, and you need to be prepared. And if you want prayer for anything like that, we want to encourage you. And then the last thing I want to say is that we're kicking off our uh, kids' uh, Christmas Eve musical. So if you've got kids, they're going to get everything set up in the next couple weeks, and we're going to have a great time doing that. I look forward to the holiday season. Amen? Amen? Amen. I love you all very much. We will catch you all next Sunday morning. Good to have you with us in the house of God today.